Lord, as we begin this Holy Week, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts, that we might better appreciate all that you've done for us and continue to do for us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you all who took part in that reading. It's quite something, isn't it? Quite moving. Welcome to St. Bart's. It's great to have you here, especially if you're visiting. Uh, my name's Dave Larley. I'm the uh, recent addition. Uh, the, the, uh, the, is that right, Chris? I am the most, yes, I am the most recent, unless some of you have joined the last three weeks. And uh, in this season of Lent, in this moment where we are, we are as a church, as individuals, as families, in transition. That transition is caused uh, and brings about change, and for most it's caused by COVID-19. And maybe caused by the onset of the pandemic, and now change is coming because of its impact on the economy, on our lives, on our social practices, and now it's all about to change again as vaccinations roll out. We've had our second dose, and I was surprised by the emotive response I had as the, um, I think I got the word, I mean, they're wonderful people. This, I'm not saying the person who gave me the jab was a bad person. It was clear they had no pastoral training. It was sleeve up, you're done, wait 15 minutes. You know, we were at Fair Park. Um, and we're in this, everything's about to change again. And if you're like me, dealing with the practicalities of change is one thing. Leading or stewarding your heart through the change that comes with it is something different entirely. It's, it usually, we've, said, we've talked about this over this last few weeks, it involves a three-step process of recognizing the loss that you've experienced, being, just being able to say it. Now, I'm not a mental health professional, so I can't say necessarily with authority what it was, but I know for me this has been hard, and I can recognize how hard it's been. And the second step, and there's no time frame to this, you have to remind yourself of who you are. Or as we were singing tonight, remind ourselves of whose we are and of the story. And only after those two phases can we then lean into what the Lord has for us. And so on this Palm Sunday, I want to do two things, two things, and that's it. And the first thing I want to do is to thank the staff. So would you please stand? Bill, Chris, Katie, and Becky. Uh, I've only known them, well, I've known Chris for, for a long time. Um, but the others, I've only known them a brief time. And they have put, done, they've hit the ground running. They've been working tirelessly. And I just thought at the beginning of Holy Week, it'd be great to thank them, and I'd like to ask you, I know it's Palm Sunday, but I think we can do this, is to show our appreciation for them with a round of applause. Thank you. Well done. Well, you can be seated. I, I promise to embarrass you more in the future. But thank you. We don't say thank you enough. And in the kingdom of God... We get reward at the very beginning, don't we? We get it all. 
And once we have it all, Jesus then says, all right, let's, let's live life together. We'll never have more love, more of his love. We'll only be able to appreciate it more. So it's fitting that the beginning of Holy Week, regardless of what the rest of the week looks like, well done. It will be glorious. The second thing I want to do is um, to talk to you about what, how we started and how we're going through this service and how we'll be going through this week. And it's important because it'll help us with that process of stewarding our heart. And that is to talk to you about singing. Some of us are more musically inclined than others, and that's okay. Uh, I, at All Saints, I won't tell you his name, but we used to be next to each other, and he would go for it loud with gusto. <clears throat> and I'd hate to tell him this, but I will at some point. He's tone deaf. But he sang, and you could tell he believed in it because of the passion he gave it, right? And there's something about how we sing. Just take your bulletin and just look at how we began our service. We began with a song that started Hosanna, just as on Palm Sunday when they shouted Hosanna to the son of David. <clears throat> now they had the wrong end of the stick, but we'll come to that in a moment. Then we, we prayed, we had a reading, we prayed a bit more, and then we sang, Praise is Rising. And we, we talked about, we sang about the God who saves us, who loves us. And then we, we transitioned to another, another song called Be Enthroned, that the Lord is enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. As our modern-day poet said it best, Keanu Reeves, whoa. Just think about it. Thousands of generations have enthroned him upon their praises. And then we began to sing of the revelation of who God is seated in majesty in the heavens. And then the wonder began as we had the passion narrated to us. And it's kind of disorienting. It's kind of confusing that knowing who he is and what he did, that he would be treated in this way, and we will sing more to finish. What was it like for you to sing those words? Some of them are new. I had to follow along. I loved having the palm. You saw me up front. Any excuse to, you know, to get involved and wave a banner. I was in. I was there. I didn't turn around to see who followed. It's okay. Um, but what was it like to sing? They think that the crowd that gathered the people on the way into Jerusalem may have been firsthand witnesses to the resurrection of Lazarus. It's a theory. I, don't, I won't go to the cross for it. But it's fascinating, isn't it? There's a crowd shouting, Hosanna, the one who will save us, the king of the Jews. And they're praising him because they expect that he will bring the military and the political solution. So in this season of singing that we're in, when we sing, my friend Quinn Delport, who's an authority on praise and worship, would say, when we sing, we preach to the heart. It's a way, not the only way, but a significant way that the Word of God comes to dwell in us richly. So, as you were singing these powerful words, I was challenged. I will admit to you, I will confess, I was challenged. Take the word Hosanna. 
What does the word mean? Well, the scholars among us will know in the Aramaic, it meant simply to save. It spoke of a rescue, of a, of a saving figure. And then throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, it takes on an added meaning, and it's ascribed a special significance as an expression that means, save us, we pray. And then to the audience, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the term had become an exclamation used to express adoration, praise, and or joy. It was a recognition that you are in the presence of the one who will save. As I sang the song, Hosanna, I was challenged because I felt that if I could see him here, I might have more exuberance. What was going on in your heart as you sang Hosanna? Now, true, you didn't do the pre-work, so, you know, there is, there is often a disconnect here, isn't there? Or as the Brits would say, there's a gap. And we have to mind the gap. And that's perfectly normal. Because as you sing, if you're like me, you compare your own experience to the experience of Scripture. So the experience of Scripture is up here. My experience is, okay, lower it a bit, down here. And if you've done what I normally do is I, I look at what's going on here and what I've experienced and I, well, Jesus couldn't have meant that, could he? So I, I lower the expectation of, on me from Scripture till we even out. But that is not the way of the kingdom. That is not the way of Jesus. We read the Scriptures and dig into the Word and we're meant to look at our experience and what Jesus is saying and say, yes, no, that is what he said. And we're meant to press in. We're meant to sing in the hopes that what has happened to our hearts, the loss that has, ha that has hit us, the pain, would find a way to be expressed. And then we might expect more and might press on for what the Scriptures promise. And so singing to Jesus in adoration, praise, and joy gives the heart the opportunity to catch up. Gives our hearts the opportunity to breathe. Gives hope and that opportunity to enter. And we begin to discover Jesus actually is who he says he is, and he actually means what he says. I was in Home Goods recently. I love Home Goods. Home Goods to me is the destination when Rachel and I have a date night. And she, uh, you know, condescends to my suggestion so that I will then follow her to World Market. So if you're ever looking for us and we're not answering our phone, we're either in Home Goods where the signal is terrible or we're in World Market gazing at something made just gloriously. And there I was. It was late. We were meant to go out for supper. No children. We were free of children. Date, And we're just, I don't even know what we were looking for in Home Goods. We were just there. And I had lost Rachel somewhere between bedding and carpets. And so I just went to convalesce of my hunger. I was in a foul mood by the coffee. And I'm looking at this strange coffee mix on offer at Home Goods. And as I'm there, I'd like to say I began to do this myself, but I found myself singing. I found myself singing a song that morning from church. It was a Sunday afternoon. 
And as I was singing, I turned on the aisle, down around the aisle, and this woman was coming down with her cart, and she had her mask on. And you can tell now, I've learned how to read eyebrows, that she was in distress. And I thought I knew her, <laughs> but I didn't. I thought I knew her, and I thought I knew her well, and I said, hey, how are you? And, and then I realized, oh, oh, dear Lord, I don't know this woman. And she said, and she responded, said, I, I'm not very well. And I said, oh, oh well, what's wrong? I said, it's my son. I said, well, what's wrong with your son? So he's our youngest, and he's begun to rebel, and, and we're doing all that we can, and we can't seem to make it stop. And I said, oh, um, well, I didn't really know uh, whether she went to church or had a faith in Jesus. So I said, do you find going to church helpful, which is an interesting question to ask in Dallas. Doesn't always, didn't really uh, always give you the answer you think. But she said, yes, yes, we go to a church. She named the church. And we've been praying against every temptation. And I said, oh, oh great. Tell me, how old's your son? She told me he's 18. I said, why has God put him on earth? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, man, what's his destiny? And I'm like, where is this coming from? Where is this? And she began to say, oh, well, he has these. I said, I think you need to stop binding and praying against and start praying into who God's called him to be. And she said, that's terrific. Meanwhile, people are trying to get by us. And I said, well, let me say a quick prayer now. And, I, and she kind of takes full, you know, takes the, occupies the full aisle, knocks over the chocolate-flavored coffee. I pray for her. And then, you know, she said, I need to go. And I had to move out of the way quickly from her trolley. I would have missed that had I not been singing to myself. There's something about when we sing, even to ourselves, that our heart opens up in a way that normally there is a strange woman with a weird expression on her eyebrows. I'm going to move out of the way. That's what I would normally do. I did it today. Not here, obviously, because I'm paid to do that here. But, you know, um, outside. The challenge of Palm Sunday is that they wanted Jesus to use his authority and his power to, in the way that they wanted. He, they wanted a military solution. They wanted a political solution. Kind of close to home, isn't it? And Jesus was more concerned with the violence in their hearts and the prejudice in their hearts and he shows them that he's not on a war horse. He's on a donkey. And he shows us this week through the narration we just had read and on Easter Sunday that the main agency of his power and his authority is his love. He welcomes us as we cry out in need to come as we are. And he takes us as we are and yet he loves us too much to leave us as we are. And he begins to find ways to pour that love into our hearts. If you'll indulge me for a few more moments, and then we'll carry on with the service. Singing can be a lifeline to those who are going through difficult times. When hope has been deferred, singing can be part of the solution. The journey that the Lord has led us on, led me on, is that during a very dark season, when words like infertility were being used, and when the diagnosis pointed to that all of our problems resided on my side of the equation, I found myself becoming well acquainted 
with self-loathing and intense jealousy. Jealousy because I was baptized, the parish we were in in London was known as Diaper Valley. It had more children per capita than anywhere else in Europe. And I was baptizing infants regularly and holding what I could not have. And the self-loathing because I hated that I was the reason we couldn't conceive. Things began to change when I sought counseling. In fact, I sent so many people to my counselor. He didn't have time for me anymore, um, which was problematic. Uh, I found friends to confide in. We let the community in, and things began to improve. It takes everything. You, it takes receiving as much as you can when you're in a difficult place. But when I began to sing again, I felt, whether I felt like it or not, things moved in a way they hadn't before. I would put on the worship and sing, pray, and I would praise him for who he is regardless of my feelings. And as I did, my heart had space to pour out anger, pour out frustration, pour out pain. I found myself singing to Jesus and expletives would come out and I was puzzled by this. But the buried emotion needs a mechanism to come out. And over time, as I poured out pain, he replaced it with hope. Hope began to eclipse everything else, and I became acquainted with hope. And I began to no longer recognize jealousy and self-loathing. And miraculously today, we have had three boys, which is a story for another time. I share this, friends, because some of us are hurting And if that's you, you're in good company. If you are hurting, you are to receive. You are to receive as much as you can. You're to let others sing over you. You're to receive, as I said, as much as we can. And as we come out of COVID, we mustn't rush to the next season. It will not go back to normal. It will be different. It'll be glorious, but it'll be different. The Cowboys might win next season. But we need to steward our hearts so that as we tend to our hearts, we'll be as a community ready to receive all that he has for us. So it's, it's Palm Sunday. We've had the narrative poured out. We'll meet on Maundy Thursday. We'll meet on Good Friday. We'll meet early Easter morning. And if you're normal, your heart will go through the roller coaster of emotions that will happen. I want to encourage you, just put this little frame of why we sing. We sing so that our hearts can catch up with what we know so much. I've never lived in a city with so many degrees in theology. And that's glorious. But we need to find ways for our hearts to catch up. And one of those ways is singing. And that's why we're going to be singing our way through this Holy Week. That's why we're singing now. And and in a moment, I'm going to ask you, I think, Becky, we probably don't have time for the singing, so we'll wait. Sorry, thank you for your willingness. We're going to sing during communion, come to the altar. And just think of that for me as I close. We're going to be singing about the fact that Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and broke it as a sign that his body would be broken. 
offered them wine as a sign of his blood being poured out. Why? For the joy that was set before him. For the opportunity to know you and to know me. And to be here for such a time as this. Well, friends, you'll notice that we did not do the confession where we're meant to. Not where we're meant to, where we normally do. Forgive me, I misspoke there. We're going to do where we're meant to do it, which is just now, having gone through the passion. And if you've felt something rise up in you, it's okay. Jesus can take it. He's the only person you'll never have to explain yourself to because he knows. And so I'm going to invite us to kneel. And I'm going to lead you through a confession. And these are words we've said many times, and we're going to say them together again. And let's just take a moment and offer ourselves, and wherever you are, with whatever's going on in your heart, to offer it to him. So friends, let us confess our sins against God and our neighbors, saying, Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We're truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways of your name. Amen. Receive now your forgiveness by faith. The scriptures make it quite clear that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed your sin from you. May Almighty God have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins for our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen.